want to thank you personally. Last week, we uh, had uh, uh, a full parking lot, and uh, it would have been even more challenging to find spots on this site if many of you had not chosen and uh, to uh, uh, park off-site and ride the shuttle or walk across from the HRT, ride the shuttle from Interstate uh, Commerce uh, uh, parking lot or from Crossroads parking lot. Uh, I, I want to thank you for doing that. Uh, even today, uh, a young couple with uh, uh, little children, they were driving up and they said, where is the, the offsite parking so we can ride the shuttle? We want to we do a good job of that. And I was thankful for that. I couldn't really tell them how to get there. I said, just park wherever you want to now. But this is how you get there next time. Uh, and then, uh, and then as I was uh, standing in the grand lobby between uh, uh, worship gatherings between the 8 and 9.30, uh, one of our, uh, one of our uh, senior adult uh, faithful uh, was walking through and we were talking and, and uh, he, uh, he's been going here for a long time, he and his wife, and uh, he, he's 83 years old and he said, yeah, I park, park at the interstate and I ride the shuttle and it's great. Uh, so across the generations, uh, we have a church family that is dedicated and committed to serving Hampton Roads to change the world, to help people who are uh, searching for life and purpose and hope, uh, who gather with us on a particular Sunday, uh, making it easier for them to get from the point A of a parking lot to the point B of in this room. Uh, it does make a difference. You think of the anxiety that people who are uh, coming here for the very first time, maybe some of you are those people, but uh, the anxiety that you must feel as you're waiting in this long line on, on uh, Kimsville Road, you've turned off a new town, you're coming down the, 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 the road and then there's this long line and you're having to wait in that line and you, uh, as, you, as you're uh, slowly turning uh, making your way to turn into the parking lot, that, that anxiety, that, that feeling of uncertainty begins to rise up in you, and, and you're not really sure where you're supposed to go. You're not really sure how you're supposed to get there. The building is big. You're, not, you're, you're uncertain. You're anxious. And, uh, and then you have someone welcoming you there as you turn in, and there's a parking spot for our guests so that they know exactly how to get from point A to point B. And, and that's made possible because you are being faithful. God is doing great things in our church. And, and even though uh, filled up parking is uh, difficult for, for us at different times, it is a gift of God's grace that we continue to have more and more people come. So you keep pressing on. Thank you for that. Uh, last week, we began a series uh, called Light, and we're looking how that we as followers of Jesus and how we as First Norfolk can fulfill the mandate, the calling, the, the who we are that God has given us. You remember uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus says to his followers, that's you and me, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. That's not you will become the light of the world. It's not uh, if you do a lot of good things, you're the light of the world. No, he's saying this is who you are. As followers of Jesus, you are the light of the world. And, and that is a light that, that steps into the uh, world of darkness, people fumbling and stumbling and, and, and crawling, trying to find some answers to their life's problems. They're, they're trying to find some solutions to the, to the equation of life, and they haven't found it, and, and, and they're, they're, they're fumbling and stumbling in the dark, looking for a light switch that's not there. 
And God puts you in their world. God puts you in their path as a follower of Jesus to be light to them. And that's who you are. And First Norfolk, that's who we are. We're, we're not a, 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 a city that it's hidden without any light, but we are, a, we are a city that's set on a hill for the whole of the seven cities of Hampton Roads to see the goodness and the greatness and the glory of God's good news. That's who we are. And so the question is not, are we the light? That, that has already been resolved. Yes, you are. The question is, how do we fulfill that role as the light in the world. And so last week we looked at the L. Um, and uh, the L stands for listen. We, uh, we share the light of the gospel faithfully when we listen well to others. And we looked in James chapter 1, verse 19 says, Be, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of God does not, uh, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Be swift to hear or listen, be slow to speak. And be slow to wrath. And we looked at how listening can pave the way for the gospel uh, to reach those who are fumbling and stumbling in dark. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to listen well. Today, we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to look at how we are to I intercede. L I intercede. Next week is G gather. The next week is H uh, help. And the last week is T talk. Okay, so uh, today we're at the I, we're, we're to intercede. And if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Look, look at verses 1 through 4, and it's going to pop up here on the screen. Um, here's what Paul writes to Timothy, to followers of Jesus in the church of Ephesus, and what God by his Spirit speaks to you and to me today as followers of Jesus at First Norfolk. It says, Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. As we look at this passage, we unpack it over the next few moments The big idea is simply this. We share the light of the gospel faithfully when we intercede or when we pray for others. As Paul writes here, he he does call to mind something that is a priority for the church, not not something that we should uh, uh, give a backwards glance and say, boy, I wish I would have done that more, but rather something that we set as priority on the platform of our everyday life, and that is prayer. He says, I I exhort you first of all to pray. Now, this prayer is specific. To to make prayers and intercessions and supplications and thanksgivings. And and he, he says you need to pray for all types of people. You pray for those who are in authority and those who, who are kings, and, and you need to pray for those who are in need. In fact, as you, as you break down each one of the four words that he uses for prayer, that's, that's prayer, supplications, intercessions, and thanksgiving, as you break those down, what you begin to understand is he's saying, okay, there are people that you encounter. Everybody look. There are people that you encounter today, and they are freaking out because their circumstances are so big. You need to pray for them. 
It says, there are people who are living without any kind of hope that there's any kind of help that's going to come their way. And you need to intercede for them. There are people that are fallen and they can't get up. And you need to pray for them. All the while, you need to give thanks to God uh, to whom you are praying, realizing that he is moving in each one of those circumstances in just the right way to give just the right response in that particular moment. We need to pray. We need to pray all types uh, for all types of people. Think of it this way as you're driving down the road and... and, uh, 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 you, you stop at a red light, and right in front of you, there's this car. And on the back of the car, they've got like 100 bumper stickers. Y'all seen those people? You're one of those people, aren't you? I did. <laughs> or maybe they just have one. You see a, you see a bumper sticker that says, my, my child made the honor roll at such and such school. Man, that tells you that they are a person that, that has a child, and they need prayer. They need you to pray for them. They've, they're living in a particular circumstance of life. Yeah, depending on what age they are, you need to pray a lot for them. You're driving down, you see a, a, a bumper sticker that says, uh, say, says uh, pray for our military or, or for those who are in, um, uh, deployed. I, I heard that the USS Cole comes back in today from, from being deployed for several months. And, you know, that reminds us, we see, we see a, a, a pray for our military or uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm the spouse of someone deployed. You see a bumper sticker like that, it reminds you there, there's a particular need. We need to pray for that family. You see... You see a bumper sticker that says coexist. You might not know what in the world that means. My guess is the person with the bumper sticker doesn't really know what that means either. But I'm not being being ugly, but coexist simply means that it doesn't matter what you believe. As long as you believe with all your heart, you're right, I'm right, we're all right. But that's not right. It's inconsistent, and, and even though you may want it to be right, it's not right. Coexist simply says that, that you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, and, 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 and what you believe is just as true as what I believe, and what I believe is just as true as what you believe. No, you ask a, a, a faithful follower of Jesus what they believe, it's going to be different than what a faithful Hindu believes. And you ask what a faithful Hindu believes, it's going to be different than what a faithful Muslim believes. And you ask what a faithful Muslim believes, it's going to be significantly different than what an agnostic or an atheist believes. And they can't coexist. No matter what kind of sci-fi world you want to create, it doesn't work that way. Truth, truth claims that are contradictory cannot coexist. But you see somebody with a coexist bumper say, man, you need to pray for them because they're looking for a light switch to come on. Or they think they've turned on the light switch, but it's not. It's still darkness. You need to pray for them. And Paul even says we need to pray for kings and those who are in authority. you driving down the road and you stop and you see a bumper sticker for Mondale or Dukakis. I just went old school, and some of you don't even know it. (laughs) 
Uh, I mean, I mean you, you know, you see the, the political bumper stickers. Don't worry about what, the, what, what politician they're promoting. Think about, they've got, we, I've got to pray for them, and I need to pray for those who are in authority. And by the way, if you're a follower of Jesus and you didn't pray one day for Barack Obama, but you're yelling at people to pray for Donald Trump, make no mistake, you were disobedient not praying for Barack Obama. And you must be praying for Donald Trump. Okay, all right. Just want to make sure we had equal footing there. Yeah. We're supposed to pray. I know we shouldn't have to have a lesson on this or a talk on this. I know we shouldn't, but every time we talk about praying, I always feel the need to amplify what the Bible means when it's talking about prayer. See, many times the way we define prayer is what I call preschool praying. Preschool praying is where I make a list of all the things I want and I give it to God and say, now do it. That's preschool praying. By the way, there's nothing wrong with telling God what you, what you need or what you desire. The Bible tells us to do that. That's, that's not bad. What's bad is if that's the only kind of praying that you have. That's preschool praying. You go back through your prayer journals or your, your times or seasons of prayer, and if, if all you have are, God, I want, I want, I want, I need, I need, I need, I need, and that's pretty much the extent of what you've got in your prayer journal, you are stuck in preschool and it's time to graduate. It's time to grow up. Prayer, real prayer, is something that changes us. Prayer, real prayer is... Acknowledging that God is in control of me, not I'm in control of God. So as we look at this passage, I want us to, and by the way, we've already looked at the, two, uh, you know, the, the first verse and, and parts of the second, but I want us to kind of see what it means to be light in a dark world. And, and how does Paul connect praying to being light? Well, the first thing that we see is that intercession blesses the city. He says, I want you to pray for all the people. Oh, by the way, we're supposed to pray for people who are friends of God and people who are far from God. We're supposed to pray for people who like Jesus and hate Jesus. We're supposed to pray for people who are our friends and our frenemies. Frenemies. I picked that up for my children. No, actually, I watch uh, Pretty Little Liars, and that's where I got it. Anyway, uh, man card revoked. I did watch uh, Hallmark. Have y'all watched Hallmark Station? Oh, my goodness. I told Edie yesterday, what, what have I been doing? Why have I? I watched A December Bride yesterday on Hallmark. Huh? Y'all wave at me. Help me. What's that not? Stan, I knew it. I knew. Man card, man card, revoke. It takes a confident man to be able to admit that in front of God and everybody. Yes. Anyway, um, I, I don't even know where I went with that. But, but what, what Paul was saying, he says, Here, here's what you need to do. You got all types of people, have all types of different backgrounds and all types of different perspectives, but, but you need to pray in such a way that you lead a peaceable 
and quiet life. A peaceable and quiet life. Now, why would that be important to Paul? Well, because for, for the setting in which Paul lived, the, the community was not mostly Christian. The community of Ephesus was mostly not Jesus-oriented. Uh, the majority of the community of Ephesus had no idea about who Jesus was, did they? and they didn't even care about who Jesus was. All they knew is that there were this group of people and they were weird. And they did weird things and they behaved in a weird way and they had different practices. They didn't, they didn't sac- sacrifice to pagan gods like they did. They, they were kind of atheists and kind of weird. And so what Paul was saying is we need to pray in such a way so that our life is a reflection of the God we serve. Quiet is a term that we have in the New King James Version. The the term in the original Greek means gentle. We need to pray so that our heart begins to reflect the heart of Jesus who was gentle. It didn't mean he was soft, it just meant he was gentle. It didn't mean that that, that he was mushy on truth. Jesus was the truth, is the truth, right? I mean, he, he told it like it was, but he was still gentle. You realize that that we need to pray in such a way that that our life begins to take on the character of gentleness that Jesus had. Rather than trying to pick a fight, we need to be a people who are peacemakers in the midst of a fight. Peaceable. I wonder why it is that as followers of Jesus, we feel like it's our right to shout down everybody else around us. I'm just not sure that, number one, that's the approach that Jesus used. Pretty confident it's not. And number two, is that really a reflection of the heart of Jesus? Again, I'm not saying we don't speak truth. I'm not saying that we, that we, that we, uh, uh, that we just act like, oh, whatever. I mean, things that are important to us, we need to stand and speak truthfully about, but, but we still need to be ambassadors of peace. Think of it this way, There's, you're driving down the road and, and you're trying to get off on, uh, from, uh, from Greenbrier, you're coming around here, the very thing that they're expanding, you're, you're coming around here, coming to church, and as you're in that big long line on a Monday, and that, that, that stretches all the way back to Indian River, and, and you get in the queue, and you're in your line, and, and, and you're just following the rules like you're supposed to, and then you come up with that double line, and by the way, you cross that double line, that's against the law, and I will report you in a gentle kind of way, but you, you have that double line and, and you're driving along and all of a sudden somebody jarts in like that. I don't know what your first response is. I don't know what your inclination is, but I can tell you mine is to yell. What I yell is none of your business. How many times have you yelled at somebody because they pulled in front? Do you know that they did not hear you? <laughs> they, they have no idea that you're sitting back there mad and fuming. They, they, don't, they, they can't hear you. But, but you yell anyway. 
You think like that's going to control them, dictate to them what they did. They're not going to do anything different because you're yelling. Oh, no, really. They're not going to do anything different because you're yelling. You're not reflecting Jesus by yelling. I'm not talking about traffic anymore. See, part of our problem is we want to be in control. But a lifestyle of prayer is where we relinquish control into the hands of the living God. He's the one that's going to get that person who pulled in front of me, and he's going to get them. (laughs) You know, the truth is, when we pray, I want you all to get this. I want you all to listen. When we pray, it's where we are saying, God, you're in control and I'm not. And that's the way it's supposed to be. To lead a quiet and a peaceful life means that I'm resting in God's provision. I'm resting in his control. I'm trusting God. I'm not trying to dictate to you how you're supposed to live. Rather, I'm just going to, I'm going to pray, oh God, help for my heart to reflect your heart. Help for my actions to reflect your will. See, we're graduating from preschool prayers where we think that we can control God with a list. We're graduating to grown-up prayers where we're saying, God, what is the list you want me to follow? That is the Hunger Games. May the odds be always in your favor. I'm Katniss Aberdeen. If y'all were not here, there was a noise that came off back over here. I'm guessing it's a phone, uh, but it, 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 it had the, the, the noise from Hunger Games, which was a movie. Anyway, <laughs> again, I've just left my man card all over the place. Dan, I'm in trouble, aren't I? There's nothing left. It's gone. Uh, so anyway, uh, when we pray... We're praying. We're not telling God what he ought to do for us. We're saying, God, what do you want me to do for you? Prayer leads to a quiet and peaceful life because we're resting in the hands of the living God. We're leaving all this other stuff up to him. The second thing it does is uh, it's a a lifestyle that's marked by prayer pleases God. So he says this. He says, when you pray for everybody in a particular way, here's what begins to happen. You lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For such a thing is uh, pleasing, good, and acceptable uh, to God our Savior. He's saying godliness and reverence, these are two Greek terms that are really synonymous and, and doubled up. It simply means you're living a life that matches what God wants. You're living a life that's under God's control. You're living a life that's a reflection of the heart of Jesus. And that pleases God. See, when we pray, and prayer is not designed for us to inform God of anything. Prayer is designed so that we might hear from God how our lives are supposed to be different than they are today. 
And prayer certainly is, is talking to God about our needs. And again, please don't misunderstand me. We should talk to God about our needs. It's throughout Scripture. Yes, Lord, you see that there are a host of, of armies against me, and I feel like the world is, 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 is beating me up. But, but God, uh, I'm asking for your help. And, and as we're asking for God's help, we're not dictating to God what he ought to do, but rather we're opening our heart and surrendering our will to the one who has the the answer and we're saying God will you adjust my way of thinking and 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 being and doing so that so that I experience the full measure of your pleasure in my life it's a preschool prayer that seeks to control God it is a grown-up prayer that submits to the control of God what Paul is saying is, hey, listen, you, you pray in a way that's pleasing to God it means that you're living a life that is pleasing to God. Can I tell you something that's always bugged me, and it's, it, it's always bugged me since I was a kid in church. Now, I'm a preacher's kid, so that makes me a little bit um, jaded, I guess. It, 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 it just, you know. Uh, but what bugs me if people that stand up like me and pray these prayers and and have no life that reflects the prayers that they prayed. Amen. That just bugs us too. And it bugs me about me too because it's happened in my life, right? Saying all these fancy words and phrases that sound all holy and righteous and good and all the while I am just rebelling against the living God day after day, moment after moment, and God is puking at my hypocrisy. Now that's not true prayer. True prayer is where God in his grace shows us where we're not living a life in concert with his will. And we, by God's grace, adjust our life to fit his will. Prayer is not some emotional uplift, although your emotions can be uplifted when you pray. Prayer is not some supernatural, mystical union with the living God so that you are working together with him and he is your co-pilot. No, it doesn't work like that. Prayer is when my life is marked with the stamp, God is in control. See, God is looking for us to send more than fine words and phrases before the throne of grace. He's looking for us to send pleasing works before the throne of grace, to follow after those nice words. A lifestyle marked by prayer, true prayer, is a lifestyle that's pleasing to God. And then he adds this final phrase, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, I, I, would, be, um, I would be talking above my pay grade if, if I suggested that I understood perfectly how praying and people being saved fits together. That, that's beyond my pay grade. I don't understand all that. But I do know that there's a connection between me praying and people who are living in darkness, separated from God by their sin, coming to know the truth of God's great love through Jesus Christ. I know there's a connection. Paul lists it here. I don't know what that connection is. I just know 
that Paul's saying you got to pray and God wants people to be saved. And there's a connection between you praying and the gospel advancing. See, prayer paves the way for the gospel. It really does. Prayer paves the way for the gospel. So as we're living to be light in a dark world, we need to pray for the gospel to have free room and reign as we speak and live and, and, and listen to those that we encounter. There are people around you that are, I, I mean, to say it harshly, they're going to hell in a handbasket. And that's not a metaphorical place. That's a real terrible place. There are people around you that you see every day and they're, they're fumbling and stumbling in the darkness and they don't, they don't know how to escape it. But the good news is that God has a desire and this is something that we need to own. See, if God's desire is for all people to come to uh, the knowledge of the truth, to be saved, if that's God's desire, make no mistake, that's his priority. Now, he's talking about praying. He's talking about blessing the city and living a quiet and peaceful life and godliness and, 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 uh, and reverence. And, and all of those aspects come together. Look, there is no greater way for us to be a blessing to the city than to pray for the salvation of those who are in the darkness. There's no greater way for us to demonstrate the character of Jesus than us to give ourselves to pray for those who are lost. And yet, go back through your prayer journal. Go back through the seasons of prayer that you've had this week. How many times did you pray for one person that you know does not have a friendship with God? Go back through your prayer journal and, your, and take time and evaluate your praying. And, and does your prayer reflect the priority passion of the living God who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? Does your prayer life reflect that? Again, I think sometimes we get stuck in our preschool prayers. God, I want this and I want that and I want the other thing. But God desires for all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And I don't, even, I don't even talk to God about the person that works next to me who doesn't know Jesus. That's got to change. It's got to change today. See, Paul didn't say, when you get around to it, pray like this. He said, first of all, Make prayers and intercessions and supplications for all people, giving thanks to God. He said, all right, so first of all, so what are we going to do today? We're going to pray. We're going to pray the way we should be praying. As the family of faith gathered together, we're going to pray. You're not going to listen to me pray and you nod your head in affirmation. You're going to pray. We're going to pray. And I know this is going to be a little uncomfortable, especially if you're a guest. And if you are a guest, you can just kind of hang out and kind of feel your way through. But please know we want to pray with you. We'll pray for you. And, and, and in a few moments when uh, we start praying, if you are uncom uncomfortable praying out loud, just say, I, I, I don't want to pray out loud. And that'll be cool as well. But we're going to pray. At the end of each row, there are these cards. And these cards have, have uh, uh, blank lines on them. 
And these blank lines are the names of people who don't know Jesus that you do know. Everybody get one of these cards. Everybody get one and start filling it out. Who are the names of the people in your sphere of life that are far from God? Remember, we're supposed to be praying for people who are far from God as well as friends with God. But in this context, who are you around? Who do you know that does not know Jesus? Maybe it's just one person right now. Maybe it's five. Maybe it's 10. Maybe you need two cards. This is a card we're going to ask you to fill out and keep with you. We don't need this. You need this. You keep this card with you so that every day you're reminded to pray for that person. You say, well, what do I pray? Well, if you flip the card on the back, you see that that here are some suggestions on how to pray along with some Bible verses. Pray that God would draw them to himself, that God would help them desire to seek him, that God would give them ears to hear and a heart to believe in Jesus, that God would prevent Satan from blinding them from the truth, that God would convict them of their sin and their need for Jesus, that God would send someone to share the gospel with them. That may be you. That God would provide you with the opportunity and the courage to speak the truth of the gospel to them, that God would help uh, them turn from their sin, that God would uh, put, uh, help them put their trust in Jesus, that God would help them confess Jesus as Lord and begin a transformed life. And, and so every day you have this card with you and you can begin to pray. But, but for us to begin this journey, I want us all to pray. So I'm going to pray in a moment out loud. And after I say amen, I want you to get together in groups of two or three or four or five and you pray together. Again, if that's uncomfortable for you, I understand and just kind of kind of be there. We're not done. This isn't the end of the service, uh, end of the worship gathering, but but just uh, just there or if you don't like to pray out loud, but you have the name of someone that is far from God, uh, just say I don't want to pray out loud, but this is the name of the person I'd like for you to pray for. This is one of the most significant powerful moments that we can ever have in a worship gathering the people of God praying together. So God, I pray that you be glorified and I pray that that there would be some earth-shaking movement take place because of your people praying together. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.